Hey everyone, welcome to Remap. My name is Jared, and today we're going to be taking a look at Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut by Sucker Punch Productions. So about a month ago, I was fortunate enough to get my hands on a PlayStation 5 at MSRP, and I had a decision to make. What am I going to start with? There's a whole list of games to look at, PlayStation 5 exclusives, some PlayStation 4 games that were upgraded with better graphics and 60 FPS, but after all the hype I heard around Ghost and the fact that the upgraded director's cut was on sale at the time, I thought it was a pretty logical decision. Now, this review is going to be as spoiler-free as possible. I'll be discussing combat, characters, and some broad story elements, but none of the specifics. And if you've played the game, you know what some of the specifics I'm talking about are. And as always, before we get started, these are my opinions and mine alone. So for those unaware, Ghost of Tsushima is an open-world, third-person action-adventure game. It's set on the Japanese island of Tsushima during a Mongol invasion. This invasion happened in real life, but obviously this is a, a fantasized version of it. And as you might guess, the goal of the game is to defeat the Mongols and free your whole land as the samurai Jin Sakai. And I was really interested to see what this game had in store, since the whole open-world action-adventure genre has sort of been tainted by Ubisoft in the last half-decade, you know, with Assassin's Creed after Assassin's Creed, then you've got the Watch Dogs. I was excited to see a new studio's take, and the old Japanese setting made it even more intriguing. But getting into my review, I'd like to start with what I and many others think is the most impressive element of this game. Ghost of Tsushima just might be the best-looking game I have ever played. I was genuinely shocked during the title sequence, you know, the title reveal, the title splash screen, at how gorgeous this game looks. Because it wasn't a pre-rendered or even in-engine cutscene. It was real gameplay that looked better than a trailer. Because we all know how it usually is. A game will release a teaser at E3, get everyone excited about the new, next-gen, innovative graphics, but then when the game releases, it's, oh, that's what we get? But with Ghost, it was, oh, that is what we get. And a big part of that wow factor is just the lighting in-game. It's not subtle at all. When you're walking through a forest at the right time of day, you have these blinding rays coming down through the trees, casting these detailed shadows all around you in real time. And the color of the sunlight adjust depending on the time of day, creating some magical moments as you're exploring through the open world. And Ghost of Tsushima is obviously not the first game to have these elements visually, but there's something next-gen feeling about their quality. But what brings all these visuals together is not the incredible lighting or the detailed textures, but the little things that just enhance your immersion in the game. Things like leaves falling in a forest that not only cast shadows as they fall, but actually impact the ground. You know, most games you play, even the more modern ones, you see a leaf falling down and it disappears when it gets close to the ground. You can actually look at a leaf as it's falling and it will impact the ground. Or the wind blowing through fields that ruffles grass, sways trees and leaves, and the fog that reacts with the sunlight to cut the glare and just make environments look better. And Ghost of Tsushima, it's, it's just a visual treat, and I found myself stopping to admire the view on dozens of occasions. You know, normally I'll 
take a couple screenshots when I'm playing a game if I run into cool stuff. I filled up half my PS5's photo storage with just photo mode pictures of Ghost. It, it looks that incredible. Moving on to the sound design, it fortunately receives this great treatment as well. The soundtrack just immerses you in 13th century Japan with wind and string instruments, setting the tone of the game. Because this is not a, okay guys, let's go save the world type of game. It has a much darker, somber tone, you know, as your homeland has been invaded by vicious enemies. And the music reflects this very well. And Sucker Punch does what all great RPGs do and builds themes through the repetition of certain songs. I know I've talked about it before. But this is one of my favorite ways a game can build an emotional connection with players. You know, it's not as direct as games like Persona 5 or The Outer Wilds, but Sucker Punch does a great job of using music that strengthens the tone of a scene. And just as a side note, I'm a huge fan of the haiku theme and how it comes back around at the end of the game. You know, that's a hallmark of using themes well. You build that emotional connection with a player, then you can use it in a scene late in the game after dozens of hours, and you know the player's going to feel a certain way. Now, this soundtrack, it's not one that I'm going to be listening to outside of the game, but while playing, it is it is awesome to hear. And I felt that the rest of the sound design was solid as well. You know, the environmental effects, like horses' steps as you're galloping through a trail, birds chirping, and the wind just going through trees. It all sounds great and pulls you deeper into the island of Tsushima. The, the the team at Sucker Bunch is clearly doing all they can to immerse you in the environment, and I feel that they succeeded. You know, that's that's the word of the day for, for Ghost. It's immersion. They're trying to bring you into this world. And in doing that, it, it makes me feel that there's actual depth. You know, it's not a surface-level open world. There's actually things going on here. And the combat effects are also solid with probably the most visceral being an enemy gurgling in blood after you've cut them down. And if you couldn't tell by that sentence, this is clearly an M-rated game. And while I enjoyed the voice acting, the stiff character models really didn't help them out. The facial expressions and body language was just not that good, in my opinion, and had a hard time conveying emotion outside of you know, a few of the cutscenes. But speaking of the characters, I am glad Sucker Punch decided to dive deep into a few characters rather than a dozen or more. Because there really isn't that many characters you interact with regularly, which lets you build much stronger relationships as you have just so much time to spend with them. You know, it's not like you meet person A in City 1, person B in City... There's like four or five characters that you'll just interact with the whole game. That's it. However, since this is an open-world game, these in-depth quests with this handful of characters are kept separate from the main story, so I really recommend prioritizing these quests and not just sprinting through the main story. You know, this is a common recommendation in RPGs, but I still have to say it again. You'll get a lot more out of the game with these optional quests, as they also help develop the main character, Jin, as well. And as a side note, get ready for some depressing content, as pretty much every single character has had a, uh, the word will be negative experience with the Mongols, 
if if you didn't already know, the Mongols were were a very very vicious group of people, and uh, the game showcases that pretty well. It's 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 very very visceral. That's 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 the word of the day. But all these missions serve to develop the overall story and the dilemma of how far you're willing to go to save your home. I won't get into any details, but the theme, do the ends justify the means, stands out as a highlight of Ghost of Tsushima. And it's what I took away as one of the core themes and ideas that challenge you as a player. But before I get into gameplay, I would like to highlight one character performance. Kotun Khan, the primary antagonist, absolutely stole the show, in my opinion, and I wish there was even more of him in the game. Again, not a spoiler, but it was so refreshing seeing a cunning villain that had goals, strategies, and actually felt like a real threat. You know, not a pushover, not someone's like, okay, I can walk up to him and beat him into it. The dude's scary, but not in a way that's just, oh, it's the big bad guy. No, like, it's a real challenge to defeat him. And it was so great to see a, a more in-depth villain like the Khan. But enough about all the other stuff. Let's get into the gameplay. Because as a third-person action-adventure game, it has many of the pros and cons we've seen before in these types of games. You know, Notably, the core sword combat, the core part of the game, is a ton of fun. It controls very well with the lack of a lock-on by default, making it more of a free-flowing experience. You know, obviously it's not as fast as the Batman Arkham games, but sometimes you're juggling between enemies in that fashion. And honestly, this is what I wish the combat of Jedi Fallen Order was. You know, a nice tightly controlled, bouncing between enemies sort of feeling. And in addition, you have a number of samurai weapons as well. You know, bows, kunai, smoke bombs, bunch of more stuff. And all of which feel powerful and useful. And I found myself using them regularly in combat. You know, it's it's great to have items that aren't just an afterthought. Or, oh, you only use them when you run into enemy type A. They are, you know, multifunctional. You can use them in almost any encounter. But a couple of the drawbacks are what you might expect. Some encounters just involve you tossing items around for a free win because they're powerful. And there's also different types of stances with the sword play that you have to switch through during combat, which can be really annoying when you're fighting a variety of enemies and you're just trying to hit buttons to switch your stance. Just the, this whole UI of switching weapons, stances, items, it, it, it can just be cumbersome during the heat of a battle with bunches of enemies running around. But the duels put all of this to the side and give you some nice one-on-one -on -one combat and it's one of the highlights of the game, just being able to face someone and say, okay, look, I am only using my sword. This is my challenge. Let's see if I can beat it. But unfortunately, the gameplay features a decent amount of platforming, which I honestly hate in these third-person adventure games, action-adventure games like these. I'm here to kill Mongols, not to climb up a hill to get a charm. It's, it's, it's just, it's not a waste of my time. But it can be very frustrating after doing it again and again and again. And stealth elements also left some to be desired with some okay enemy AI. And forced stealth missions that, now that I think about it, that's worse than platforming. If you're going to give me a forced stealth mission, 
I, I can I just skip it? It's it's just awful. But fortunately, like I said earlier, the controls are great, which goes a long way in making the gameplay solid as a whole. You know, when I lose a duel, I feel that it was my mistake rather than the game just screwing me over by moving around in a way that I wasn't expecting to or I didn't intend to control it. No, the controls are very tight, very responsive, and I'll give them credit. It makes the gameplay infinitely better having solid controls like that. And the performance of the PS5 has a big reason to do with this because I can't imagine playing this game below 60 FPS. It's just silky smooth with some awesome quality control. I was not running into bugs, glitches, or crashes, and loading times are pretty much as close to zero as I think you can reasonably get. And finally, I'd like to mention a handful of items I wasn't sure where to discuss, but are some of the standout elements of the game. The camera work is incredibly cinematic, with wide shots of characters, and there's literal black bars that appear to make the game feel like a movie. You know how when you're sitting in a theater or sitting at home and the two black bars appear at the top or bottom of a film? They, that literally shows up in certain parts of the game where it, it, it just makes the game feel like a movie. And one of the places the bars appear are these elements called standoffs, which is a way of initiating combat that makes you feel like, you know, a powerful samurai, and you're able to take out enemies with a single strike. It's, it's a very cinematic experience. And the combat animations are also extremely well done, with enemies even crawling away from you in fear as you take out their allies. And Ghost of Tsushima is a game that takes time to master, so that by the end of it, you feel powerful as a character. You feel like you've grown as a samurai, and that you just wipe the floor with your past self. My final comment involves one of the biggest issues with open-world games. When you select a mission, it appears as a mission marker on your screen, and you follow it to your objective. And games quickly feel like you're just mindlessly going from objective to objective, and you wonder, what's even the point of an open world? It's, it's just walking between point A and point B, and you don't get to see your environment. Because you, you don't care, you're just moving on to the next thing. But Ghost of Tsushima does something unique, because when you select a mission, the wind guides you to it. So you have to stop and look at the grass, look at the trees, see which way they're blowing, and that's the direction of your objective. And you're not just blindly walking to the next marker. This makes it so much easier to get distracted by side missions and activities, which make the open world actually feel like an open world. It's actually a world you can walk around and explore, which was just incredible to see and a blast to experience. And I mean, there's even birds that will lead you to different activities as you're walking around. It's, it's just such a refreshing change and one that made this open world more immersive and fun to explore. I know I've said immersive about 25 different times, but that was really my experience with the game. Every element that Sucker Punch added, I felt was to immerse me just a little bit more into the game. You know, even beyond just the story elements, they just wanted me to feel like I was in 13th century Japan. It just, just a standout job by the team. And I know it's only January, but I'm confident that Ghost of Tsushima will be at or near 
the top of my season two recap. It is just such a beautiful game with some cinematic camera work that I got over 50 hours of quality content between the base game and the DLC. Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut for the PS5 gets an easy A, and I even, I'd even i put it close to the A-plus mark. I don't know if I'm going to give it an A-plus, but it's very close to that. It is such a great game. If you're one of the seven people that has a PS5 and somehow hasn't picked this game up, do yourself a favor. Go pick it up. Even if it's not on sale, I would say it's worth it. But that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Remap, the gaming podcast. My name is Jared, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.